is her amp offense. Good morning! Are they poor bubble sparks? Hello and welcome to another episode of Hurry Up Offense. I'm Sean Pelletier, my good friend sitting beside... I don't want to make that mistake again last time. Yeah, last time I told you, a little like 3 o'clock, whatever. Alan Netzler is my partner in crime right here. Uh, we don't commit crimes, but I'd like to use that little saying every now and then, so I used it. Yeah, I'm Alan. Uh, if Sean seems a little bit flustered, it's probably because he is. Because He, for some reason, thought we had five hours until the radio show started when these guys went overtime before us with their terrible... Lynn names. Yeah, that literally Jimmy, went on for 20 Lynn, minutes. That was pathetic. All right, so we're Hurry Up Offense. You can reach us on Twitter. It's oh, yeah, at I forgot to mention that. Huh? Our I guess that was us uh, getting into that. Uh, our Twitter handle is at Hurry Up underscore Offense. Uh, everything is spelled correctly because we like to use good grammar over here. Uh, if you'd like to call us in and tell us uh, what you think of what we're talking about or if you want to bring up a new topic that you think needs to be discussed, the phone number for that is 301 301- 606-5933. Uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, last week, my friend Jordan accidentally called, had no idea we were on air, and still popped out a nice little question. Thought that was pretty impressive. That we never got to answering, really. Yeah, I, I was just in, in awe that he was able to ask us a question when he was just calling my personal cell phone, thinking we were going to have a nice little conversation. He just pulled a question just out of nowhere and asked it. It, it, was, uh, it was good. I like that. It's funny. All right, so... We we go to the University of Maryland. There's big a big news story. out of Maryland today. Uh, Danny O'Brien, uh, former freshman of the year at ACC, uh, he has elected to transfer. He's been granted his transfer from the University of Maryland, uh, along with Danny O'Brien, left tackle Max Garcia, and linebacker Mario Rosen. Uh, you can disregard the last name. Not really important. Uh, the other two, however, are important. Danny O'Brien, hell of a quarterback, doesn't fit. It makes sense. It really, really doesn't fit at all. I, I'm, I'm actually happy, happy for the guy. I, me too. Especially, well, I would be happy for him if he was going to be able to go to Vanderbilt. Uh, looks like that's not going to be able to happen. And why is that, Alan? Because Randy Edsall is just just a, a bad guy. He's just a mean old man without a mommy. <laughs> <laughs> the guy is mean, man. Uh, if you guys haven't heard, I'm, if you pay attention to Maryland sports, I'm sure you have heard, that uh, Randy Edsall has, I guess, I don't know the word, but kind of... Prov- Prevented. Pretty much put a block on it. Yeah, he, he's just not <clears throat> allowing either of any of the three to transfer to Vanderbilt, West Virginia, Temple, any, yeah. and any ACC schools because that's who they play. And I guess because Vanderbilt is what we're hearing is because of um, a mass exodus possibility where just everyone leaves to go to Vanderbilt. Well, Randy... If you have to worry about every single player leaving your program to go to Vanderbilt, you should think about doing something different to your program. Yeah, go ahead and look in the mirror and then (laughs) smash your head through that mirror (laughs) and then don't come to work the next day. That's exactly what you need to do. Uh, So far, your tenure at Maryland has been one of of the most awful coaching... uh, Experiences that I've seen in a very long time. I yeah. can't. I like, no one likes I'm trying it. to think of another coaching thing that went this bad, and the last one I can think of is uh, Bobby Petrino in Atlanta. He uh, he was a college coach. He went to the Atlanta Falcons. And he left halfway through the year to go back play uh, college football. But the good thing with Bobby is he left. Uh, Randy, you Randy, need to do the Randy same isn't thing. following his footsteps. He's staying here. He's making it worse. I'm I'm not the kind of guy that wants to jump ship just yet, but. Oh, I, I mean, I mean, I emotionally, I'm not swimming in the anymore. ocean, going to the nearest island. And it looks like the nearest island is Vanderbilt, <laughs> and I want every Maryland Terp to go there. If you guys haven't noticed, uh, Danny O'Brien, Marcus Garcia, and who's the other guy? Mario Rosen. Yeah, Rosen. That, that was actually good. Yeah, we'll go with Rosen on this. Um, sorry if you're listening to our show, Mario. We just don't know your last name. I'm not sorry. Uh, <laughs> that makes. That takes the total transfer up to 24 transfers. 24. How many recruits do we bring in? Uh, I don't know, less than 24. 24 transfers. We're, gonna, <clears throat> like, we're just going to be a team full of walk-ons next year. Because yeah, all <laughs> uh, I mean, the Danny O'Brien transfer, it made sense. Um, and as a Maryland fan, it hurts you in the sense that you know you're letting a good quarterback walk, but he wasn't going to be the quarterback for this team next year if we ran the same style of offense that we ran last year. That offense 
more is more catered towards what C.J. Brown has, his skill set, which is as a scrambling quarterback. And it looks like we have a caller into the show. Let's find out who it is. We also have a tweet when you get done. Welcome to Hurry Up Offense. Who are we talking to? All right, this is Jordan Dixon. I called in last time, kind of embarrassed myself, but I wrote down some notes that I want to talk about and redeem myself. All right. <laughs> All right. Two things. One, one, can you turn down the radio in the background? And then two, and then go ahead and ask your question. Okay. Well, I'm listening to your show right now, and I think I'm lagging a little bit. But um, anyways, we were talking about um, you all were ragging on Randy Etzel. And, look, Randy Etzel, he may not be the best coach, but we all can agree that he turned around that program at UConn. So he definitely is a successful coach. So I don't think you all need to be freaking ragging on him, all right? And think of it like this. He's only got, he hasn't even got a full-year recruiting under his belt. He still has all Freegan's crappy recruits that are all from Virginia and all this stuff. We need, he needs to get his freaking name out there and get him out there and bring in some good, good players around the freaking nation stop getting these kids from Virginia. And another point, or you all want to comment on that, go ahead. All right, well, one thing. Danny O'Brien, uh, one of the uh, bad recruits that you said that Freedom brought him, was actually a freshman player of the year uh, right. in the ACC, right. so he was a pretty good player. And what did he do, and what did he do after that? Uh, he was put into an awful Why do system. Why players think that they're capable of transferring and being successful at another school? No, because the offensive line sucks. So what makes you think you're going to go play at a better program? Well, here's what you're Randy Etzel... One of the worst conferences in go. the nation. You're in the ACC. Let alone two or three teams. You ain't going to go and play on some of these big-time schools and start at left tackle. All right, what style of offense did Maryland run last year? Was it a pro style? I believe it was. I don't know what they run. It, it was a pro style so. offense. And this year... They ran a spread option offense where the quarterback was responsible for running the ball and throwing the ball. And, and, make, and making those reads on the read options. So Danny O'Brien does not have that skill set. And if you know that you have a great quarterback, I don't care how stubborn you are, how successful you've been in another program, you cater your offense and your scheme to your players. I understand that after a couple years you can implement your own offense, but you, you, need, to, you need to take this piece by piece. First, you change the culture. I don't mind that. I don't mind that he's a strict coach. But what I do mind is that he was putting players in positions that were not letting them be successful. And I think that that's my problem with Randy Etzel right now. He's, not, he's being too stubborn with his coaching, and he needs to be able to adapt to the players that he has on the squad. I'm just going to say this about Danny O'Brien. He was, he was arguably the best, one of the best freshman quarterbacks when he played uh, two years ago as his true freshman year or whatever, retro freshman year, he was the best freshman quarterback out there. Right. And I hyped him up to everybody. I said he could be a potential Heisman candidate. Right. 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 right, right. I know it may be some BS, but, you know, I'm hyped and I'm representing Maryland. That's where yeah. I'm from, you know. But when I'm watching that Miami game, there, there's, I've watched 20 screen, little screen passes, quick passes wow. to the wide receivers. Why not let him throw the ball down there? He's on national TV. Let him get his name out there. Why not come out there firing? I think even if they won that game, that set the tempo for their whole entire season. But I think you kind of just you just kind of just made my point by saying their coaches weren't letting him throw the ball downfield. Right, I wasn't really listening to what you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, without you listening, you just proved my point. But all right, is there anything else you want to say about Coach Edsel? I'm saying Danny O'Brien could be a good quarterback. Yeah, it could be the coaches, you know. Or maybe he could have done something that made them feel uncomfortable about him. But regardless, if Danny O'Brien had a problem with it, he should have stepped up and told them, hey, I'm capable of doing this. Let me throw the freaking ball outfield. Am I allowed to cuss on this show? No, but no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I think we all understand where you're coming from there. <laughs> right, okay. All right. And uh, also, when I'm talking on the radio, am I supposed to talk in my normal voice or am I supposed to like, change my voice? You change it. Like so- times. I think the past times I've called, I've kind of made it deeper and acted like I was reading off a piece of paper. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. Good job. All right, thank you. I'll be calling back shortly when you say some more stupid stuff that I disagree with. Sounds good. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Easily one of the best calls we've ever had. For those uh, of you that are listening, that's how you make a phone call right there. I Honestly, that's amidst, the first opinionated call we've had all amidst year. Amidst all of that like, opinion and banter, some really good points he brought up. Um, what about Randy Edsall actually turning around the program at UConn? He did do that. I will give him credit for that. But he also led kind of a hypocritical program where he made players be accountable for certain things that he didn't hold himself accountable to. Right. And, I mean, he, if you give him some time, maybe he does turn it around, but I agree with your point that he has to cater to what he has now. And what he has now is clearly not an option-style team. Well, now, last year. Yeah. Last year he did not have an option-style team. And, I mean... 
it showed because we were two and ten. So I, I definitely agree with Jordan that we shouldn't be jumping ship on Randy Edsall just yet. But he's definitely under the hot seat, and we need to see some improvement this year. So maybe he's got he's got his recruits this year. So there's no more excuses. And can I just say one more thing? You sure can. This is uh this is our show. All all of that stuff about him like putting in like disciplinarian systems and things like that. Right. I don't ever remember this many University of Maryland kids getting arrested. Yeah. Like University of Maryland football players. I feel like we had a lot of kids get arrested. A this kid year. literally punched a car. What is he punching cars for? He's mad at Randy Edsall. He was our best freshman too. It's like, I mean, I don't know that his. I don't, I don't want to say his like disciplinarian systems don't work, but I mean they don't seem to really have that big of an effect if we keep doing stupid stuff as a football team. Yeah. I don't know. Just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, so that's the story with Dan O'Brien. So from football to basketball, uh, the University of Maryland Terrapins took on Duke in Duke or in North Carolina the other night. What was it, Saturday? Saturday afternoon. Uh, they ended up falling 73-55, to um, falling to 14-10 and and 4-6 and in the ACC. And that's what pisses me off about that kind of game. The final score does not show how the game was played. I mean, it got out of hand at the end, but Maryland played... Played them pretty close the entire game. And for it to be an 18-point blowout in the end, I, I hate that about Duke. I mean, for them to say that we're not their rivals and then to come out and continue to shoot threes and keep pouring it on at the end, I call bull on them saying we're not their rivals. They obviously think something of us, and our games are always close. So I, Did you I don't see the know. Mike Krzyzewski thing? What thing? When he was going to halftime... He turned around to the crowd and berated them and yelled, "We don't sit down at these games, like going, going, like at the crowd." No, that's not a ri- that's not a rival, yeah, right? Not a rival. That's hmm. if anything, that is a ri- like yeah, that's interesting. Just the definition of rivalry, I would think. Yeah, a uh, couple things that were evident in that ball game: uh, the loss of Pichon really hurts. Uh, he wasn't a productive scorer while he was there, but he ran that offense. And when you when th- when this game was going on, we had Nick Faust at the point, and we had Terrell Stoglin. And neither of them can run a point guard in the NCAA. I don't. It's not pretty at all. Six turnovers between the two. That's not. That's not that bad. But the, they had the, twenty-eight points too. The decisions that they were making. Uh, and Faust just can't. He's not a great they're dribbler. Also ten of twenty-eight. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Pichon, that was a huge loss. Um, tore his ACL in practice. So he he just had an awful year. I think the biggest thing it hurts for us is now we don't have anybody who can score coming off the bench. Yeah. We don't have a real playmate. I mean, if you want to. Think Michael Parker. Uh, he, I guess he could develop into that, but right now he's not a scorer coming off the bench like Nick Faust is. Right. Nick Faust is developing into a, a like a legitimate wingman who can score the basketball. Yeah, that was my other point. He, he definitely stepped up in Pichon's absence. Uh, not when he was point guard, but when he was when he was playing the slashing role where he was driving to the basket, making plays happen. I mean, he really he really was a secondary scorer. And I don't know, Mosley does not show up in these big games on the road. Can I read you a stat line? <clears throat> you sure can. Wait, this, who are we talking about? Sean Mosley. Okay. This guy played 38 minutes. Is that team of, high? Of the 40. Yeah. Team high, Faust was at 37. He was 0 for 5 from 3. <clears throat> he had 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 steals, and 5 points. That's your senior leader. In 38 minutes, you managed to score 5? It, like, it was unreal. <clears throat> I mean, I know he's not a scorer, but I could play 38 minutes and score five <laughs> points. Like, it's just, I don't know. I just want to see a little more production out of him. And he didn't shoot the ball well, but he also didn't shoot it very much. Stoglin managed to get up 16 shots in 30 minutes. I mean, he just needs to be able to, like, score the basketball a little bit. Our front court combined for nine points. <laughs> Our starting front court. That's pathetic. Yeah, are big guys. I've noticed this all season. They're just not tough enough. Not a single one of them goes out there. I've never seen. I, I think I've seen one of them pound their chest all season. And I know that's not a real, uh, a real stat line or anything. But these big guys need to grow some toughness. If if you can do that, uh, looks like Jordan's calling back for some more. How you doing, Jordan? All right. So glad we're on this topic. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. First of all, the last thing I heard on my radio was um, Alan giving the stats about Sean Mosley. Yeah, and I agree. Sean Mosley does not stand out like a senior. He he doesn't stand out at all. He doesn't ever want to step up, make the big shot like a senior should. You know, it just it makes me mad. You can say piss. There is not a leader on that team. He should be the leader. Yeah, he, exactly right. he looks scared to shoot the ball. He looks scared to step up and make a play for that team. 
Because if you watch those games, Maryland is closer with Duke to Carolinas, which is really impressive. But, you know, when it comes down to it the last 10, 5 minutes, there's always one big shot that if Maryland makes, it's gonna, it'll give them momentum. And Nosley cannot step up and shoot that. He's relying on the younger guys to do that. And that's just, that's just not right. That's not a good sign of leadership. Yeah, exactly. I agree more. We, we agree totally. He forces Stoglin to take that shot every time. And, I mean, yeah. Stoglin's willing to you take know, it. And but what makes me mad, too, is Stoglin, he's a great player. He's out there doing his thing. And, you know, he's a good job at penetrating the basket. But it's, it's like they're just staring and watching. They're exactly. Not, you know, nobody's ready to shoot. They're just standing there letting him do his thing. And half the time, he ends up taking a bad shot because, you know, he probably doesn't trust his team. He should be able to still penetrate in there every time and kick it out, but, you know. And we're just staying around, looking around. I partially think that that's half on Stoglin because half the time when, when they are moving, he, he's not even looking to pass the ball, so they know that he's got the reputation where, where when he touches the ball, the offense stops. So you I can, agree. I think you can I put agree. that on both guys. But what has any of those guys done when they get the ball to shift the, you know, make Stoglin believe that, hey, if I get this ball, you know, they're going to score? Yeah, I, I think... Nobody stepped up. I think the only other player that really, once they get the ball, they're looking to score is actually James Pageant. Yeah. Every time that guy gets the ball down on the block, he's looking to make a move, and he, he's right. usually he's pretty successful you know, on it. It may not be the best, best move, but he's aggressive. He goes to the basket, you know. And that's what Duke does when they play us, you know. They know that uh, their advantage is they have heightened size from us, which brings up another question. Um, don't you think maybe sometimes they should switch up, especially when they go get the big team and go into his zone, possibly? Because yeah. there's no... Uh, big man that can hang with the Zellers and the Plumlee uh, boys. There's no way. Yeah, I, I, saw, I noticed that about Mark Turgeon's defense. He never really wants to switch it up and switch to his own. When it, he, he won't even switch to a press yeah. very often. That was the one thing I loved about Gary Williams is he always would go into his uh, full-court press late into the games. That's my point, exactly. You know, they come out with no momentum or, uh, or no, I don't even know how to say it, but uh, they don't come out with any fire, you know, like, they come out there and they mix it up. When Gary was the coach, they would come out there and mix it up, do full court press, you know, just change things up. It's not that it's got to work all the time, you know. Yeah, when Gary did that, he would get into full court press and they would end up getting some layups, but that doesn't matter. They changed it up. You know, you got to keep the other teams thinking. Yeah. You know, Duke did the same exact thing going as they did last game. Get down the first, establish that, and then they filled us with the threes at uh, the second game. All right. All right. Thanks for calling, Jordan. Oh, no, I got one more thing to say. All right. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> Uh, Maryland should be embarrassed that Duke is saying this isn't a robbery because growing up as a kid, if Maryland lost to Duke when I was 12, 13, I'd go in my room and I'd cry for days. <laughs> you know, and now when I watch the game, I'm just like, what is this? They should be embarrassed. They should be embarrassed because this is a robbery. Juan Dixon, Steve Blake, they made it a robbery. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Thanks for calling, man. <laughs> he he's pretty invested in this Maryland sports yeah, thing. He brings up a lot of good yeah. points, though. You know, you don't have a toughness, and you can you can see that there is an evidence of no toughness when you look at the leading rebounder on this team in the Duke game. You know who it was? Who? It was Nick Faust. Yeah. What was it? Six, seven. He had eight. But eight. Yeah. A point guard is your leading rebound. Like he's, yeah. He did it all for us that game, I guess. But yeah, it's I don't not know. pretty. Uh, we we'll need to pretty much win out to make the tournament or uh, win the ACC. That's that's looking like what it's gonna be. Uh, we but are honestly we didn't have those expectations coming in. Oh, year. I know. I, I'm I'm so, to be honest, I'm content with the season so we're far. We're fairly happy with what's going on. I know we've kind of been bashing them a little bit, but we are happy with where Maryland basketball is headed. Just for the record. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna head to a commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna be talking. Well, first of all, we're going to do our new segment that everyone loves. Oh, yeah. Talking about the weird stuff. And we're going to be predicting uh, the top four seeds for the NCAA college basketball tournament. So be sure to come back to the hurry up offense. WMUC Sports.
Welcome back to Hurry Up Offense. This is Alan. He's Sean. What you just heard was the new clip for our newest awesome segment, our weird news segment. And we're going to get it started right now with the weird news of the day. Sean, you want to take it away? Sure, I'll go first. All right, my story comes from Switzerland. Yep, Switzerland. That's the weird story right there. The news is coming out of Switzerland. So, the Swiss, they're up to some strange stuff out there. A new town called Dementiaville. (laughs) <laughs> uh, is coming out. I like this. And <laughs> the Swiss health, Swiss health officials have authorized construction of an assisted living village of 1950s styles homes and gardens designed to remind patients with Alzheimer's and similar afflictions of surroundings they might have actually recall with they might be more comfortable and secure than they are with modern life. That made no sense. Yeah. And now that I'm reading, basically, what they're doing, did you ever see the Truman Show? No. Really? With Jim Carrey? It, no. First of all, that movie's funny as hell. Um, Truman Show, what they did was they took this guy from when he was a baby and they put him in this make-pretend world and they made it a TV show. Every person he ever encountered in life was an actor or a paid actor and they made it a TV show. Uh, like, they're going to set up the uh, doctors as like gardeners around town, as working like fast food people and they're going to make all these people with dementia or with Alzheimer's just feel comfortable like in their own times. Like, they don't want them to be like, the last thing they remember is 1960 and then wake up and have an f- iPhone in their pocket. They like want them to be back in the time. I, I don't know if it's going to work. It sounds pretty cool, though. Like It's going to be a town from the 1950s, basically. That honestly, to me, sounds like a, a huge waste of money. <laughs> like Apparently, they have a bunch of people to fill up the village. Like It's going to be a full-functioning village. But what, what happens when all those people die? How are these villagers going to make money? Like Who's paying them? What do you mean? They're, no, 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 the doctors are the villagers. It doesn't like the doctors are. Are they doctors and villagers, or are they just? They're doctors villagers? posing as villagers. So like they'll be there to assist them when they need to, and they'll like. Do they actually do doctor stuff? Yeah, what they don't do is like gardening. They'll just like hold a plow or hold a hoe. They I just, don't know. <laughs> why don't they just make like clay figurines? I'm utterly confused with this story, but I think it's kind of cool because it reminded me of the Truman Show, and that's pretty much all I wanted to. That, that that's my story. There wasn't a lot. There wasn't a McDonald's stabbing this time, but how the hell bill. you found that was don't, unbelievable. Don't know. All right, we're going to come back to America, the greatest country on the damn planet, and we're going to take a little trip to South Bend, Indiana, where a mother returned home Monday night with her son, and she discovered a 46-year-old man had broken to her house, folded her clothes, swept the floor, and cooked dinner. And she said, the police are on the way. And then he responded with, the police have already been here, closed her window, locked it back up, closed the door, and sat in the chair and waited for the police. What? He just he just sat there and waited to be arrested. He, he thinks he was in his house. 
So the police... Wait, let me get this straight. The guy went in, cleaned up, just was a complete maid, I guess. Nice guy, yeah. Didn't steal anything. And the, the cops- only thing he stole was the food and the orange juice that he drank. So the cops came and didn't do anything? Is that No, the cops took him to jail. Oh. But he... He just sat there and waited for him. Did he have a disease? Like, did well? They're trying to figure that out. The judge ordered a uh, a psych evaluation. No, you I know always, they, they I should always get do. the psych evaluations. They should send him to Dementiaville. <laughs> That's what they and, should do. Uh, with that the guy. prosecutors requested a five thousand dollar bond because they thought he like might come back to the house, but the judge lowered it to a thousand dollars. But he, That's the nice, police like nice legitimately one. believe he thinks he was in his own home. So I don't get what the and problem he, he, is. He even stole a sheet and laid it out on her couch. Like he didn't even get germs on her but couch. But the thing is, why was he? F- I understood he fold, he uh, he was folding clothes. Did he not notice that it was women's clothes? Like unless he wears he folded all he, he folded all the clothes and I, maybe he thought he had a wife. What an interesting guy! I want to find out what he ma- hold on. They talked about what he made for dinner. Um, <laughs> that that needs to be in the story. Yeah, he had cooked some chicken and onions in a pot with broth. So it sounded like it, he had to have looked around the kitchen and found stuff. Even the police said it looked really good and looked <laughs> like he was a good chef. Did they let him take it with him? Like they should have let him eat it in the police I, car at least. I'm not sure. Uh. No, it doesn't doesn't say there, but he he put a pillow on the ca- like he redecorated. <laughs> what a nice guy! Like that's not a crook. I wish he would break an arm. I was clean up a little bit. Yeah, nah, we have Rachel for that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's our weird story. Oh, um, this world is getting back to sports. I guess uh, with March Madness uh, just around the corner. Really, what is it? We're halfway through February. February already. Uh, March is on the way, which means March Madness. Uh, we're going to predict who we think the f- top four seeds are going to be come the tournament. Alan, I'll let you go first if you'd like. Uh, Okay. Let me think. I'll go first, I guess. All right, you can go first. <laughs> my, my top four, uh, I think the top two, uh, we're not going to have any debate on. I don't know if we'll have a debate on either of them. But uh, I think Kentucky and Syracuse would be two like automatic one seeds. They've been the two best teams all year. Um, My next two... I'd go with Missouri, and I'd go with Kansas. And that's more, I think that Kansas would only get that if they look at what they've done recently, uh, because they're playing a lot better than, they're playing probably the best, I don't know if I want to say the best in the league right now, but they're playing pretty damn good. Uh, and Missouri beats every top 10 team they've played. I think they're 3-0 or 4-0 against top 10 this season. Um, I, I just think that, that that's the, my top four. Any different? Um, I've always been a little bit of a conspiracy theorist with these kinds of things. So I agree with you on three of them, that Kentucky, Syracuse, and Kansas are going to get it. I disagree about Missouri because I, for some reason, I always seem to think that your past and your reputation plays a role in your seed. Past meaning past seasons or past earlier this season? Like your prestige. Okay. As a, as a school. Yeah, because Missouri's not known yeah. as a basketball They're school. They're not a basketball powerhouse. So I think Duke's probably going to end up getting a number one seed. I sure hope not. They're They've gonna, been unimpressive. They're probably going to... Whoever wins the ACC tournament between those two, if one of them win it, I have a feeling. Because I think the Big 12 will come down to p- between Kansas and Missouri. Right. The Big 12 So you don't think they can both get in with one of them losing? If one of them loses, I, I don't see that they'll be a number one seed. But if... Missouri wins out. They're twenty three and two. I don't see how it, how you keep a team from being a number one seed. Right. I just think they might have a couple letdowns. They're kind of small. They're not a real deep team. But I don't know. We'll see. But the thing is, with small teams like that, I mean, a lot of people say that, like, if you run a four guard set, then uh, when you're on defense, you're just going to get eaten up because they have big men. They can just go inside on you. But a lot of people don't think that when you're on offense, they have to cover you. So their big man have to cover one of your small guys. If you actually they do a four guard set and one big man, so one of their big guys has to cover one of the guards. So it's not only it, it may be a mismatch defensively for them, but it's also a mismatch uh, defensively for the other team as well. So I don't really look into them being a, like a small team. They might get out rebounded a little bit, and by a little bit I probably mean a lot. But I mean there's going to be mismatches across the board. Their leading rebounder on the team has six point eight points a game. Six point eight points or rebounds, rebounds. Rebounds. I mean, yeah, it's not that's not ideal, but yeah. I, I still don't I don't take that much away from them. From and they have a, a, set. a guy who's like six two playing power forward. So I mean, <laughs> I, I I feel like when you come up against those big guys, where you got like a team like Kansas, where they have Thomas Robinson and Withy, right? Jeff Withy. How do you guard that? Like you have trouble guarding that if you have two six nine guys. And Ricardo Ratliff is their biggest guy, and he's six foot eight. And he pr- he's going to have to keep shooting 73% for them to have this success. Right. 73% is a hell of a number to put up. 
So I, I, I just don't see them keeping it up this high. I, I don't get me wrong. I think their team is probably going to go to the Elite Eight. Uh-huh. But I don't see them getting a number one seed in this tournament strictly because of prestige and I think they're going to lose a couple more games. So you got Kentucky, Syracuse, Kansas, and the winner of the AC, but ACC, I'm but probably Duke. Duke. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. If you all have anything different, you can tweet us in. Uh, we'll read them out. We love so let's let's, stuff uh, the final let's move to our, some uh, sports quick hits. Nice. First one coming out of college football. The Mountain West and Conference USA are, are to form new conference. Uh, as soon as 2013, it's going to be a 16-team conference. They're basically combining because uh, Conference USA and Mountain West have lost a couple teams to uh, the power conferences lately. So they're just trying to um, trying to beef up, they're trying to become a bigger conference because all the super conferences are out there. So that's that's a story. That's always fun, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's going to just be a big mess next year. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, my news is sticking with college basketball, and uh, subsequently we're sticking with Syracuse. Tonight they just beat Louisville 52-51. Uh, to 51. And the Syracuse Orange scored or made one shot from outside the paint tonight. One shot. That's not the first half. That's they, not the second half. That's the entire game. They beat a top 25 team making one shot outside of, like, 10 feet. That's unbelievable. Yeah, they were 1 for 15 from 3, I think. It was their worst uh, three-point shooting thing in 16, 17 years. What and they won the game. What an odd game. What yeah. an odd ending to a game. Interesting. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles are likely to franchise... Uh, put the franchise tag on Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Alan, would you call Deshaun Jackson a top five receiver in the NFL? Absolutely not. Okay, so Deshaun Jackson, it, for those of you who don't know, the franchise tag is a one-year deal that teams choose to put on a player that they don't know if they can resign. <clears throat> and it's it's essentially the average of the top five salaries at that position. So Deshaun Jackson is going to be paying, being paid like a top five receiver next year. And last season, he was just not a factor at all. So I don't understand this at all. Deshaun Jackson hasn't been the same since Dante Robinson knocked him out cold. Which is great. Hit to the head. But I'll I'll even go this far. He's not even a top five free agent wide receiver. Yeah. I can think of five free agents right off the top of my head that are better than him. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. Like, I would, there's no way in hell I would give him a franchise tag. Yeah, because not only was his his, uh, production on the field not not great, but he's not a good locker locker room guy. guy. He's constantly. Crying, and you got a guy. I mean, you got a guy who's similar to him and Jeremy Macklin. Like they're not totally different wide receivers. Not exactly. He's more of a complete route yeah. runner. But he's a little more. Yeah, he's a little more polished. But I don't see the need to. I just, mean, they I have, don't even see the need to have him on the team. They have Steve Smith, who didn't play a lot last year, but I, I think he's a completely capable number two. So I don't. I don't know why they would. I don't know why they're wasting their money. That's what I don't understand. I, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy because I'm a Redskins fan. And I know they're wasting their money on a player. That's not going to be a huge factor you say as that, a receiver. He'll come out and have a pro oh well, year. people always have great games against the Redskins, but aside from that, I don't like this at all. Go either. I'm going to move to my favorite sport, which is golf. Um, this weekend, Phil Mickelson won the Pebble Beach Pro Am tournament. For those who don't know, a pro am is when a professional golfer teams up with an amateur golfer. Whoa, that's what that means. Just like a real, like regular guy, like someone you pick up off the street, and they play together. Uh, some of the celebrities in the tournament included. Bill Belichick, Coach of the Year Jim Harbaugh, NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers, choke artist Tony Romo, comedian George Lopez, comedian Bill Murray, do not call George pitcher Lopez Matt Cain, uh, NFL Net- or ESPN Chris Berman, ESPN's Herm Edwards, Alabama coach Nick Saban, Roll Tide, uh, actor Don Shadell, and former NBA great Clyde Drexler. Out of those guys, which one would you most want to play with? Well, can I? Am I not allowed to say Bill Murray because you didn't list him? I, I did list him. him. I did. Okay, well, I'd want to play with Bill Murray. Really? Bill Murray or Ray Romano? He's really good. Oh yeah, Ray Romano was also in the tournament. He's actually really good at golf. Bill Murray is. He won the thing last year. He was on a Sports Center top, not top ten. It was funny, but he 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 would just be funny. That's why I'd play with right. him. I imagine he'd be pretty fun. Who would you play with? I I'd like to play with Jim Harbaugh, just because he's the coach of my favorite team. Yeah, but Bill Belichick would be fun to play with. I'm Absolutely sure, sure not. Him and Nick Saban there. are probably the bottom of my list. Are you guys kidding me? Nick Saban would knock you the hell out if you missed a putt. <laughs> He'd be so pissed. Uh, I'll ask you this. Which professional golfer would you most like to play with? John Daly. <laughs> For the pants. I don't even know if I'd qualify him as a pants. professional golfer. Hey, now, hey, now, hey, now. John <laughs> Daly. He's just a drunk. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I'm here to have fun. 
I don't want to be with There's Tiger. There's plenty of guys have this, golf like, who are fun. Angry face at me. No, I John Daly. Bubba Watson. All right, that's a good he's pick, He's the funnest too. guy on the planet, and he hits and like good. 500 yards. John Daly's just funny. Well, if you guys have an opinion on who you'd like to play with, tweet us in. We'll put it on air. All right. So the A's came out of nowhere uh, in the Major League Baseball thing, and they signed Cuban outfielder Yenes Cespedes. I hate that name. I feel bad for the A's play-by-play guy. He's going to have to come up with a nickname for him. They signed him to a four-year, $36 million deal. Uh, he's this, he's said to be uh, MLB ready, so that's good for the A's. But you got to think if he's going to play well the first couple years, he's not going to be an A um, into his fourth year. They'll probably end up trading him for something. That's typically what they do. Yeah, so, I mean, don't don't get too used to seeing this guy on the A's. If he has a good year... He's gonna Hell, just, he might be he'll gone just get traded. Yeah, who, who knows? That could happen. We don't know. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you one team that's doing <clears throat> great this offseason. <clears throat> Baltimore Orioles? Mystery- Hell no. no. Mystery team. <laughs> Mystery team got Albert Pujols. Mystery team got Prince Fielder. Mystery team got Yane Cespedes. Yane. Mystery team is an all-star team. They're pretty good. That's what I'm saying. They're good. Everyone comes in. Didn't somebody, a mystery team, get an NFL free agent this year, too? I don't know. Namdi. Oh, okay. The Eagles weren't yeah. even supposed to be in on Namdi, and they got him. Unbelievable. Mystery team. You're the best. <laughs> All right. You got any news? Oh, yeah. This is my turn, right? Sure is. Uh, the Caps called up two players from the Hershey Bears today. This is hockey for you guys who don't know who the Caps are. Uh, they called up Braden Holtby, who I've been calling for the entire year. And then they called up Joel Recklish, who is a great interview if you ever get to hear him. All he does is just like to fight people and push people into the glass. I heard somebody ask him a question like, what happens if no one wants to fight you when you get to the NHL? And he said, I'll just throw them into the glass until they fight me. Like, what a cool guy. <laughs> and then this also sets up a possible departure for one of my favorite players, class act Mike Knubel. A lot of talk about him possibly being gone. He's been a healthy scratch. <laughs> gone recently. as in uh, released or traded? Traded. Okay. That's, okay. That's all I got for you. All right, last one. I, I guess since every other news outlet's touching on it, we should touch on uh, Lynn Sanity. Uh, Jeremy Lynn, he was named the Player of the Week. Uh, in his conference this week, he averaged twenty-seven point three points per game, eight point three assists per game, and he went four and zero. Interesting guy. He lives on his brother's couch. <clears throat> um, I think that's the most interesting thing about him. Uh, actually, I thought it was weird to see. To, to be honest, I thought it was weird to see um, a small Asian basketball player. When I think of Asians that play basketball in the NBA, it's always big guys like Yao Ming and Yi. So I, I I was kind of confused when I first saw him, but I mean the guy looks like he can play, but I mean if you heard the other night when before they played the Lakers, Kobe Bryant had never watched film on the guy; he knew nothing about him. So I think once teams are going to start like picking up his tendencies, start looking at tape on him, I don't know if we'll see the same production. And he's kind of been forced into being the star of the team with Carmelo and Amari out of there. I mean I'm not trying to take anything away from him; I'm just not sold on him yet. I think it's impossible to be sold on the guy after four yeah. games. But, I mean, people were sold on Tim Tebow. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, th- he's taking over just like Tim Tebow had been taking over. So this is this is no no different. I imagine we'll be seeing Skip talk about him for a couple years now. Um, I really don't have anything to say other than he's a Harvard grad, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, we're going to head to our last commercial break. When we come back, we're going to start doing draft previews every week. Uh, this week, we're going to do the AFC South. And when we come back from a cur- commercial, we're going to talk about a receiver who is coming out of retirement. This is Hurry Up Offense. WMEC Sports. The Minnesota Vikings have selected Randy Moss. Well, before I get to questions, man, I'd like to say some. Everybody, one clap. Well, yeah, 84 jerseys out. I'm back home. Well, yeah, 84 jerseys out. This is going to be a fun ride. Fun ride. This is gonna be a fun ride. Everybody won't clap! I'm gonna play what I wanna play, play, do what I wanna do. I'm gonna say what I wanna say. Did I say anything stupid today? My role is to take the ball deep, take the top off the defense. Take the ball deep, take the top off the defense. If I can't get to it, to it. Nobody can't get to it. I don't shine shoes. I don't take ankles. I don't cut checks. Great cash, homie. I don't shine shoes. I don't take ankles. I don't cut checks. Great cash, homie. Everybody, one clap, one clap, one clap, one clap. Four year, eighty-four jerseys out. I'm back home. Four year, eighty-four jerseys out. We made a play. You can print it. I don't care how you put it on your ink. Everybody, one clap. I'm gonna play what I wanna play. Play. 
gon' say what I wanna say, say Do what I wanna do Next question, next question, next question, next question, next question You're looking at this opportunity to revitalize your career I don't need to revitalize nothing Everybody know who I am This probably will be my last year here because of hatred You guys tell the people Moss this, Moss that, Moss this, Moss that Moss this, Moss that Are you gonna come out today, Moss this, Moss that Moss this, Moss that Moss this, Moss that, Moss this, Moss that Boy, yeah, 84 jerseys out I'm back home, boy, yeah, 84 jerseys out This is gonna be a fun ride This is gonna be a fun ride Everybody, one clap I'm gonna play what I wanna play human i do have emotions like everybody else welcome back to hurry up offense that receiver we were talking about is of course randy moss he is said to be coming out of retirement and he wants to play in 2012 uh one thing i noticed watching that video that guy has had like a hundred hairstyles throughout his career my favorite was the huge afro Oh yeah, definitely. Huge afros. Got to be the way to go. go. The huge afro or dreads, you need to do it. Do it. Go ahead and do it. Dreads are the coolest, but he never had dreads. <laughs> so we'll go with the huge afro, I guess. All right, but that raises a question to me: If you were a team that needed a receiver, and you were choosing between Randy Moss and Terrell Owens, who would you choose? Can you go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I would choose To. Hands down, the guy is a physical freak. And he he really, really, really wants to play. The one knock on him was that he, he just was a team killer. He was a locker room killer. Last two years, what did he do? He behaved, and he was productive. He had an injury, and that would worry me if he weren't such a beast. The guy is jacked. The guy is fit. The guy knows how to stay in shape. And he's played through injuries before. He is 38. Randy Moss is 35. But... I would take T.O. T.O. is more, he can run more routes than Randy Moss. Randy Moss, like he, like you heard in that video, he just takes the top off the defense, which means he just runs deep, takes a safety with him. But T.O., he has the ability to do that, but he can also run routes over the middle because he's jacked. I mean, the only time he couldn't run over the middle was when uh, Sean Taylor was over there knocking him the hell out. But uh, I would take T.O. Uh, I guess... To be honest, I'll be like upfront about this. I wouldn't want either of them on my team, like in the slightest bit. Even if I need a wide receiver, I think I would just take my chances without them. But uh, I guess I would go with To strictly on the fact that I feel like he's just a, in better shape and could. I feel like there's a better cha- chance he lasts the entire year than Randy Moss, and I'm not sure Randy Moss could be effective in any system. Uh, I don't know how much. T.O. really actually wants to have the ball in his hands at this point in his career. I'm sure what do you he mean? He, he's been saying he wants to be back in the NFL. No, no, no. no. I'm, I know that, but I'm not, like, is he the old T.O. where, like, he's running around, like, throw me the football, throw me the football. Th-, where, is he, like, the guy who has to be targeted, like, 13 times a game? Because I feel like Randy Moss is still that guy who is just going to constantly want the ball and, like, constantly want to be pleased. And I just hate that out of a guy. I just don't like anything about Randy Moss, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I've, I've never been a fan of him at all. Like, he played for three to- three teams in 2010, and he totaled like 20 catches on the year because he just didn't want to play. To be honest, like I don't even rem- like. All right, don't everybody freak out, okay? Because I know he was great, but I'm <laughs> saying I don't remember him being that great. I don't remember him sticking out in my mind when I was a kid watching football. I was a 49ers. I, I was a 49ers fan, so I remember To and like how great To mm. was. So I think that's why I'm a little bit partial to To. But Dante Culpepper. Uh, Chris Carter and Randy Moss was one of the best, fun, most See, fun remember, experiences to watch. I remember watch. Chris Carter. That I was great. Chris, I remember watching Chris Carter, but for some reason, I don't remember like the great catches that Randy Moss had. Like nothing. In I'll his, tell you one. one of the nothing most, about his career like really sticks out in my mind. One of my most favorite uh, Randy Moss moments was when he he caught a a deep ball from Dante Culpepper, and just as he was about to get tackled, he uh, lateraled the ball to Chris Carter, and Chris Carter ran him for a touchdown. That's that's my best Randy Moss moment. Besides him, even pretending score. to. Uh, Moon the fans. That that was pretty great, too. All right, I do remember that. That was funny. Yeah. But we have a tweet coming in, and this is on the topic of Randy Moss, which is why I'm going to read it. With Daniel Snyder being a big spender, would you rule out them signing Randy Moss to a two-year deal and go for Peyton Manning? I would rule that out 100%. Uh, Dan Snyder, yes, in the past has been uh, easy to part with his money with these players. 
But if you look in the last couple years, um, with Bruce there and with Mike Shanahan there, they're not allowing him to be stupid with his money. They are making the decisions, and Dan Snyder is just there to write the checks. So I do not think that they'll give him a deal. Like I, I'm 100%. I know for a fact they will not do that. I know it. 100%. Yeah, I, I find it, you know, I find there's like a possibility of maybe one of those two happening. I definitely don't see them both happening. Yeah. Maybe, maybe one. Maybe, I don't know which one. More likely Peyton, but I don't know. Interesting point that you brought up, though. Yeah. Let's move to this draft thing, because this is my favorite part of the entire year. <laughs> All right. So, the draft is coming up in April, and uh, we're, we're just about nine weeks away. And there's eight divisions in football, so we're going to spend each week up until the draft previewing each division and saying what team, what the team needs and who should they, who they should look out for in this year's draft. Uh, this week we're doing the AFC South, which consists of the league worst Indianapolis Colts, Tennessee Titans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Houston Texans. Alan, you have the Indianapolis Colts. Go. All right. Well, I think I'm going to start with the Indianapolis Colts need everything. Uh, I agree with that. It's it's pretty obvious they're completely just rebuilding this team. Reggie Wayne likely gone. Peyton Manning likely gone. Dallas Clark is he likely gone? I don't. I well, heard I know the receivers are. They're uh, they're both their defensive ends are. They're 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 in shambles. Nelvin Bullet, yeah. free agent. Uh, Joseph Dye is a free agent. Daniel Mur Muir, the stupid defensive tackle, he's a free agent. Offensive line has always been bad. They really could go anywhere with this entire draft. They could pick anything, and it would fill a need. Obviously, they have the number one pick of the draft. They're going to pick Andrew Luck. I'm not even going to give yeah. a list of players they could possibly pick. They're going to pick Andrew Luck. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more we can say about that. They're going to take him. There, there's no question about that. Am I supposed to that. give a second-round thing here? Or? No, no, no. We're, we're not doing that. We're just saying okay. some possible just possibilities. An- Andrew but... Luck is the only possibility. Yeah. Unless, like, he dies. Then they're <laughs> going to pick Robert Griffin. All right, so I guess it's my turn. That that would that'd be obvious, <laughs> I think. All right, the Jacksonville Jaguars are next up. They went five and eleven in two thousand eleven. Uh, they have the seventh pick in this year's draft. They had an awful year. Their coach was fired. They have a new owner. Uh, they hired a new coach, Mike Malarkey, who's the offensive coordinator Malarkey. in uh in Atlanta, and he 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 got a lot of credit for uh, making Matt Ryan the player he is, he is today. Um, and that that's why they ultimately went with him as a coach because Blaine Gabbard had a disappointing year. Didn't shock me. I'm not a fan of Blaine Gabbert, but they're saying if, if anyone can resurrect his one-year short career, I wouldn't call it a resurrection, actually. It's going to be Mike Malarkey. Uh, the only bright note of this team was their defense wasn't awful. I think they were 11th overall, 9th overall, something like that. Uh, and MJD, Maurice Jones-Drew, was the NFL's leading rusher. All-around great guy. Besides that, not a very good team. Their needs, I, I think their number one need would be wide receiver. Uh, their star receiver last year was Mike Thomas, and he's only 5'8". He had 44 receptions for 415 yards, and that, that, was their, that, was, that was their best stat line from a receiver. That's not good. That's not going to win you football games. I think a receiver that they could get here is Alshon Jeffrey out of uh, South Carolina because by then Justin Blackman will be gone. But if he's not, go ahead and take him. I think that would be the uh, wise choice. But Alshon Jeffrey, 6'5", huge, just a great receiver. Uh, a couple other needs I see is cornerback. Their cornerbacks only had six interceptions last season. That's Mathis not enough. Is too. Mathis is getting old, and they're probably not going to re-sign him. Uh, so th- they could look at going cornerback that early in the draft, and that would set them up with Maurice Claiborne if he's there. That would be that would be a tough choice uh, whether to choose a wide receiver or Maurice Claiborne. I'd, I'd probably go with Claiborne because you don't get a, a great cover corner every, every day in the draft. Uh, another need is defensive end for this team. Aaron Campman, they signed him a couple years ago. He's just been injured every single year, uh, and they don't—they didn't have a lot of production out of their defensive ends. If Quentin Copels is there, I, I would even take him. He—he he looks like the the most dominant player in this year's draft. I think, like he is the most dominant player of his position in the draft. Um, I mean, you could look at outside linebacker. Can you name an outside linebacker on the Jaguars? Matt Roth used to be. Yeah, he's not anymore. Uh, they're just they they don't have a lot of production there. I mean, Daryl Smith, he's their outside linebacker. He's all right, but he's he, nothing really. Good, they just don't they don't have I any production there. No, I would look to draft Zach Brown. It it, it would be kind of a reach there, and uh, that would, uh, that would be an absolute. If they trade it back, I would understand them taking Zach Brown. What about um, <coughs> uh, oh, what's it? Upshaw. 
Upshaw is more. He's a pass rusher, and he he's going to go to a three four team. And uh, the Jaguars are four three, so they would need either a defensive end or an outside linebacker. And and I'm guessing the same goes with uh, Melvin Ingram. Yeah, Mel. Well, Melvin Ingram. Yeah, he's he. I think he'd be in a three four, but he he could play. He's he's like he can play like five positions. It's weird, but I don't see him fitting in any of the positions of the Jaguars. All right, that's the Jags. Uh, I guess this is my turn. Sure is. I go to the Houston Texans, who won the division last year despite having two quarterbacks on the DL. I think that's their biggest. Uh, well, their biggest needs are on their team currently. They need to bring back Mario Williams. That's going to be a hefty price. Yeah, actually, he's twenty million a year. Okay, I don't say they need to bring back. They should bring him back, but they do have some replacements if he doesn't come back. They need to bring back Arian Foster. Yeah. They have to. They, you just don't win if you don't have him. And, uh, Although I they, like Ben Tate. He's good, but yeah, you need I, two backs I understand, I understand, yeah. And they need both quarterback, or they need one quarterback healthy. Preferably Matt Shaw, because he, he's good. I think he's a. I might put him in my top 10. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to argue with that just because I know you haven't thought about it that much. But yeah. yeah. All right. Um,. <clears throat> So if they don't bring back Mario Williams, obviously a possible need there is outside linebacker. They're a little bit farther down in the draft, so I like what you said about Zach Brown being a possibility there. It might, may or may not be a reach there. Eh. I, I think I'd like it there. That would be a good pick. That, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's a 1-2 guy, so I, you know, picking him at the end of the first round wouldn't be a huge deal. Wide receiver. That's, that's been a need for a while. I don't yeah. know how many years I've sat and played fantasy football and listened to these <laughs> gurus try to tell me Kevin Walter and Jacoby Jones are going to have a breakout year. That's pissing me off. Like honestly, I'm angry about it to the, like now. I just hate it. I hate it. They need to pick a wide receiver. And uh some of the options where they are uh Michael Floyd might be there. Can you think of any other would Jeffrey still be there? I don't know. I mean, like we, you told me earlier about his 40 time he was released that he ran a 488. I mean, a lot of people knew that he was slow That's coming really in. That's really bad. But he's 6'5". I mean, he, he could make a difference. I mean... But they have the freakishly big receiver. I think they need, like, a playmaker. Yeah. Kendall Wright might fit. Yeah, I, I think that'd be a great Baylor. pick. Yeah, he, he's, he's a great, a pretty great good, player. He's pretty good. Um, I think that's, like, my only two biggest needs. They could they could use some depth in the DBs. Yeah. Maybe a safety, but I feel like that's a later round thing. I feel like first round they got to go to whoever they don't re-sign or a wide receiver. Sounds about right. Last team in the AFC South is the Tennessee Titans. They outplayed their expectations last year, going 9-7. and seven. They had a great start to the year. Uh, they have the 20th pick of the draft. And uh, they, they had a great pickup last year with signing Matt Hasselbeck. Um, there's going to be a battle between him and Jake Locker. Th- that, the Titans pissed me off. They stole Jake Locker from the Redskins. He should be a Redskin. I'm real pissed. I'm real bitter about that. I'm not going to let it affect us, though. All right. Basically, they were playing really well until they lost Kenny Britt. I mean, other guys stepped up, but Kenny Britt was their ultimate playmaker on offense, and they, they really struggled without that. And also, they have Chris Johnson, but they were 31st ranked run offense in the league, and that, that's not good. I mean, half of it was uh, Chris Johnson being hurt. Half of it was just him not being effective. <clears throat> but, I mean, that, that was a big problem for them. They have a couple needs. Um, a lot of them are on the defensive side of the ball. Strong safety, I think, is their biggest need by far. Jordan Babineau, oh, he was their starter last year. They signed him as a free agent, just a one-year deal. So he'll be gone. The backup was uh, Chris Hope. He's 31 years old. <clears throat> you can't expect a lot of production out of him. And the, uh, the Titans struggled a lot against tight ends last year, and that's primarily the strong safety's uh, assignment. So you could look for them to sign a guy like Mark Barron, who would definitely fall to them because of his injury. I think that would be an ideal pick for them. Um, you've got to hope that he recovers in time to play. Michael Griffin's also a free agent. Yeah, but I, I definitely think they'll re-sign him because he's, he's a great player. Uh, another need for them is defensive end. Derek Morgan and Jason Jones, their starting defensive end, combined for 5.5 sacks last season. That's not enough. There's there's single players in this league who are having triple that number. So for two, guys, two of your starting defensive ends, now that's not good. I can look for them uh, at, at their spot drafting. A uh, defensive end from Clemson, Andre Branch. A lot of people didn't hear about him this year, but he had a really productive season uh, at the Senior Bowl. He, his stock uh, rose quite a rose. bit. Rose quite a bit. Uh, I was I was struggling with that word right there. Yeah, that's a tough one. Andre Branch. Uh, you could look for them going there. Outside linebacker. Once again, I can see them drafting Zach Brown out of UNC because Will Willers- Witherspoon is getting old. He didn't have a lot of production last year. Lastly, you could blame their uh, 
their lack of a running offense to their offensive line, but they, they actually played pretty well. But if you could find one person on that line, it's Jake Scott. He's 31 years old. He's getting old. They could use some depth anyway. And there's a guy like Cordy Glenn from Georgia. He's about 6'5". He could play guard and tackle, which would give them uh, a lot of versatility. And uh, I, I really like him. So I could see them. Ideally, I'd like them to pick Mark Barron. And I, I think their second choice should be Michael Roos out of Georgia. I mean, not Michael Roos. Uh, Cordy Glenn. Cordy Glenn, which Michael, is a stupid Michael name. Michael is their left tackle. <clears throat> right. Uh, that was insanely long. Yeah. What you just said. Titans are like my my backup team since uh, yeah, the Redskins. Yeah, because they have Jake Locker. Yeah, Jake Locker. So the Redskins suck this year. I'm jumping Sean, ship to the Titans. Sean's really like, into this. Whole every time I play Titans Madden, team. every time I play Madden, Jake Locker's on my ridiculous. team. Unreal. Yeah, we've got two minutes. Yeah, we gotta play a song here. Someone call us, or oh, we yeah, we gotta we're gonna song. play we're a song. We're so gonna... tomorrow is Valentine's Day. If you don't have a Valentine, that well, that's unfortunate. Sucks for you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, actually, it kind of sucks for us. Yeah, it sucks. I'm, yeah. Uh, you know, hold on, I, us. I, I love my girlfriend, but Valentine's Day sucks. Uh, I don't think it sucks. I think it sucks. Well, once you're married like me for eight I years, you'll understand. Valentine's Day weekend. So Frank Sinatra is gonna end the show for us. Because it's Valentine's Day, and we're, we're sweethearts. Let me tell you about Frank Sinatra. One of the best voices ever yeah. in history of voices. That's great. If I could talk like that, or sing... Well, actually, I don't even know what his real voice is like. But if I could sing like that, I wouldn't be here. You'd be a singer, right. Alright, so that's going to be all for us. Next week, we'll probably do the NFC South. So if you like one of those teams, you can uh, tune in for that. So I hope everyone a happy Valentine's Day. Hope everyone a happy Valentine's And have a great week, too. Uh, this is Hurry Up Offense. I'm Sean Pelletier. I'm Alan Etzler. This is WMEC Sports.